Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Nourish, Eat, Repeat. Guys, I have a very special guest today that I'm so excited to introduce to you. Lauren Zanikos is a registered dietitian licensed in Pennsylvania, and she's been practicing medical nutrition therapy in both clinical and outpatient settings uh, since receiving her credentials. Uh, For the past several years, Lauren has been working in behavioral health settings with a focus on psychological health and sees a wide array of disease states, including eating disorders, mental health disorders, weight management clients, and those diagnosed with diabetes. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Lovely to be here. We're finally getting to it. Yes, we are finally getting to it is right. We have probably rescheduled this uh, taping two, three times now? Several, yes. Several, that's all you need to know, several times. But that shows you how much of an important topic uh, what we're talking about today is because we are relentless in making this happen. We are committed, yes. That is true. So today we are talking about a concept called body neutrality, right? And so this might be a new concept for some of you listening. So what I want to do to start out is to set the stage is let's talk about this concept of body image first. So Lauren, what exactly is body image and why is this important? Yeah. So body image is like you said, very important. We all have a body image. So this is how you see yourself when you look in the mirror or how you think about yourself in your mind, how you feel in your skin. This can literally include your physical self, your beliefs about your appearance, how you experience movement in your body and how you feel about like your height, your weight, your shape. Basically, what do I think of myself and my appearance? So it's it's how we feel about it. Like you have an opinion. Do you think that's something that is shaped over time? Is that something that we're born with a natural tendency to think one way or another, or is that purely environmental? I definitely think it's a nurture versus nature. Um, You know, I think it's shaped by the people who model for us as kids, you know, whether that's parents or culture, um, who is popular, what body shape is popular, you know, the, the different types of bodies and preferences have changed over the decades. Um, you know, it was very thin at one point, it was a little bit more bodacious at another point. So that cultural preference is constantly evolving. And so I often think that you have a body image that is shaped by the culture and society you grew up in. So, you know, someone who is 20 years older than me may not have the same ideal body, quote unquote, ideal body in their mind as someone of my generation might. Yeah, I think that's actually a really interesting point because you know, I actually just had this conversation with some of my girlfriends. We were talking about fashion, right? And so now low-waisted jeans are back in fashion where before it was the high-waisted jeans. And it's like, oh my goodness, why can't we just have 
all pairs of jeans available to us, depending on what feels good to you. So I feel like body image is changing as fast as fashion, which is making it pretty much an impossible impossible goal to reach. Is that, would you agree, disagree? I would agree that there is no ideal body type. You know, we can't fit a round peg into a square hole and vice versa. Um, you know, I will never change that I have broad shoulders. I will never change that I have dark eyebrows. And um, I, you know, frankly, I, I am more than my appearance and I try and remember that, but yeah, it, it can, it can change. Sure. Do you think people that have dieted more so than others have more of a negative body image? Mm, I think that really depends on the inspiration of dieting. You know, if it's purely health focused, if it's someone who has diabetes or renal disease or food allergies, um, maybe you have to do a, an elimination diet to figure out if you have sensitivities to certain foods. I don't think the impetus for that kind of dieting affects your body image quite as much as if it was solely weight, weight focused. Yeah. And more aesthetic focused. Yeah, I do think that there's a really negative conversation that starts to happen no matter what age you are. Um, when someone is telling you, whether that's internal and it's your little self in your brain or external, that you should be altering the way that you look. Because essentially you're saying you should alter the way that other people also perceive you, which puts more emphasis on your appearance. And again, we are more than our aesthetics. Yeah. It's kind of like boiling us down just to, you know, are you attractive or are you not attractive? That's not very nice or fair. Right. Are you good enough the way you are or do you need to change to be better? Right. Okay. So then talk about what is this body neutrality? That's a, that's a different statement than we're used to hearing. Yes, it is. Um, and it's actually one that I feel very strongly about. So I speak about this with a lot of conviction. Um, I'm going to start by talking a little bit about the body positivity movement. So body positivity really encourages this switch from assuming that you're, you have a negative body image to one of positivity. So for, for me, I will own up to this. And for a lot of the clients that I work with, body positivity is just such a reach. It's such a stretch. It's really trying to completely flip the way that a person perceives their physical self. So if I feel, you know, over here and I, and I'm kind of a negative, you know, I might be a zero. I might not be feeling great about my body. And someone is saying, you know, cheer up, Charlie Brown, aim, aim for the 10, aim for body positivity. That is so inauthentic. That is so far from where I am. And there really is a gray. Um, so body positivity really refers to this belief that all people deserve to have a body, positive body image, which I absolutely believe is true. Absolutely. However, getting there might either be unattainable or undesirable for people because body positivity still stresses what you look like. It's still stressing acceptance of your physical appearance instead of focusing on maybe what your body does for you. And this is where body neutrality steps in. So yeah, it might be, it might be amazing to see yourself in a positive way. Um, but if you struggle with this negative body image or even just less than ideal, right? Like someone might not be down in the dumps, but just, I could feel better about my body. 
um, you know, instead of love for one's body, it's really a middle of the road approach between the negativity and the positivity. And it focuses on acceptance and respect for your body. So not necessarily designating it as good or as bad or loving it or hating it. It's, a, it's like saying, hey, body, I can coexist with you because you do X, Y, and Z for me. Um, I'm, I'm a firm believer in the period as a form of validation. I think that a lot of times people go through unfortunate circumstances and there's usually somebody in their life that's trying to like pick them up or perk you up or change your mentality. And I do think that we owe it to ourselves. We owe it to our complex emotions to sometimes say, you know, I just feel like this period. I don't need to change it. And that's kind of what the neutrality is about too. It's just, this is me, period. You know, this is my arm. Look at it for what it is. This is my hair. Look at it for what it is. But instead of saying, oh, my hair is something that is good or bad, or I like it or I don't like it, it's, oh, my hair keeps me warm. My arms can give great hugs. So it's really focusing on the function of your body, the fact that it, it does really great things for you, not as much appearance. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can think of like my own body image, right? You know, I think everybody can, you know, share some story positive or negative and, you know, females especially are probably a little bit more subject to this because they feel like they're always maybe being judged more so than males, but I know males struggle with it as well. Um, but I think for myself, like before, when I was younger or when I was struggling with weight, like I, I would, whenever I look in the mirror, I would zero in on the parts that I didn't like about myself, right? Like, oh, my, my stomach is so big. And to go from, you know, that my stomach is big, I hate my stomach too. I love my stomach, it's great. Like you said, that's a really big jump. That doesn't feel authentic. That's not a fake it till you make it kind of thing. Yeah, that's definitely how I feel. Some people are, some people adopt that mentality and they just say, I'm going to do a complete 180. This is me now. You know, they're really trying to totally change their perspective on themselves. And I think that's honorable and you can take whatever you can aim, however you would like to, you know, your this your target. Um, but I do really feel like I have, I haven't seen a ton of success in people making that like inside out switch. It's just so different. Um, and again, like personally, I have never been somebody that has, uh, that has aimed for body positivity. I'm not like, that's just not, that's not my vibe. That's not who I am, but neutrality. I can go with that. I can go for like middle. I can go for gray instead of black and white. I can go for medium. Um, but I, I'm not, I'm not trying to push it into a place that doesn't feel authentic for myself. Mm -hmm. So a body neutral statement then in the case of my example would be, I have a stomach because you can't argue with that. Am I right? Is yeah. that how we do this? Yeah. So it would be like, I have a stomach and it digests for me. Mm -hmm. Cause you can't argue against it. That's not a, an opinion Right. You know, that your, your mom could come in and say, no, that's not true. It, 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 you're fine. You're perfect. Just the way you are when you're not feeling that way. So we want to look for more neutral facts when we're talking about our body and focus on the function. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right. So how would someone use the concept of body neutrality? 
so yeah, this is this is very um, it is difficult and helpful at the same time. So focusing on neutrality can help people to develop this healthier relationship with exercise and with their eating habits, which I think is the ultimate goal for most of us. Um, because as the focus transitions from this appearance more to function, people are able to be, like you were saying, more objective about their physical selves, more objective about the experience of being in their body. Neutrality is emphasizing what the body can do rather than how it looks. Um, and the neutral approach really acknowledges that your body is only a part of who you are. It's not the totality. And the way that you think about being in your skin shouldn't dominate your life. We, again, we are more than how the world sees us. Um, so this body neutral approach veers towards the belief that it doesn't matter if you think your body is beautiful or not, because your value and your happiness should not be attached to your appearance. Again, easier said than done, but we are more complex beings than what people can see on the outside. And frankly, I've worked with people who adopt this mentality of, um, you know, I'm offended that people think that I care about how they view my body. Um, they feel empowered by letting go of that concern. Yeah, well, I think, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think the biggest thing for me is neutrality isn't shaming, right? Like it, it takes away that shame and that guilt that we somehow twistedly, I don't know if that's a word, twistedly, we have <laughs> convinced ourselves that we need that shame and that guilt to be more motivated. And if I pick out my flaws, then I'm going to be more motivated to make healthier food choices and exercise more when it actually the reality is it, it does the opposite. We feel so bad that sometimes we need a coping strategy. And if our coping strategy is eating, that's not really helping us with our, our habits. And it, like you said, our relationship with food, how many people come into our office now asking help with their relationship with food? And a lot of it, you know, can even stem from body image. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's much more complex and insidious than I think a lot of people are, are aware of mm -hmm. yeah, to have this like infiltrating negative commentary all the time. Yeah. It's painful. Yeah. So who, who benefits, who can benefit from this? Is it just people that have a, a low self-esteem and a poor body image, or is this something more people can start implementing? Well, I'm going to say if you have a positive, po positive, a positive body image already, this might not be something that you want to incorporate unless you really feel like you need to tone down your, you know, your feel goods, your, your confidence in this. But anybody who identifies as having a negative body image or even just struggling with less than ideal, less than pos positive internal conversation, um, especially focused around how you look or how you feel in your body can benefit from using the body neutral approach. Um, I work with a lot of people who have eating disorders and this population unfortunately is encouraged very often to adopt a body positive approach. So the body neutrality approach I believe could be another option that somebody who really struggles, whether that's with body dysmorphia, whether that's just, again, with not feeling quite great in my body, um, anybody can really try it. And 
most people that I come across as a dietitian, like you mentioned, have some sort of hang up about their body. And even if it's small, like, you know, I wish my feet were a different size, or I wish my arms were slightly more toned. It can become, it can become like a worm. Like it's just so insidious and it's best to try and address the negative commentary as soon as it's recognized because it does, we blow things out of proportion. It's yeah, yeah, all the time, right? Well, I, I always tell, especially my my female clients, I know I'm totally stereotyping right now, but I always say like, we are professional drama inserters. <laughs> Again, I make up words, so, but you, you get what I'm saying here. Like we, we will take one thing and we will just dump a whole bunch of drama into it in a matter of 0.3 seconds because that's how our brains work. Yeah. And if you're somebody that kind of catastrophizes things naturally, this is not, you know, one small comment about, you know, your toenail polish or a hair where it shouldn't be is going to just ruin your day. Like we don't need that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I agree. So if, if we're struggling with negative body image, how do we start incorporating body neutrality? I feel like we've given some examples, but are there, are there more things that we can do to, bring it into our lifestyle and the way we talk to ourselves. Yeah, you know, this this idea, this concept of essentially changing the way that you approach yourself is gonna start with mindfulness. Um, this plays a huge role in body neutrality in the way that you talk to yourself. So incorporating the method of approaching your body requires you to really pay attention and listen to your internal dialogue. So this may have become embedded or like, indiscernible, it's super quiet, it's something you hardly even notice amongst the other thoughts in your head. A lot of body dissatisfaction comes from comparison. Uh, I hear this, I experience this, I'm sure that you hear this all the time, especially to the body that you used to have or to other people's physique. I know I got a huge influx of clients after the pandemic of, you know, your weight changes, your body changed because of you know, activity changes, diet changes, and, you know, that people want to get back to the body they used to have. Um, I have plenty of clients who are in their fifties and their sixties, and they're talking to me about the mile time that they used to run and the weight that they used to be. And I have to kind of do a little bit of a reality check with them as, you know, when was that actually? Can you tell me how many years ago? And usually it's like, oh, in high school, oh, in college. And so, it's not saying that you shouldn't have big goals or think about how you used to look or your body used to move, but we need like age appropriate and also stage of life appropriate goals and references. So, you know, we shouldn't be saying, I wish that I ran the time, or I wish I had the body of a seventh grader. Like that's, that is so far out of being healthy. Like don't even want to think about it. I'm right, never- you were a child right. like, and now you're an adult. Like you don't get to have a child's body as an adult. Right. You know, well, and should you? <laughs> right. And post pandemic, like our bodies might be a little bit different than pre pandemic. And that's something that we have to, we have to work with and we don't want to do it in a negative way. So anyway, working, <laughs> I go on about this for a long time, but working in mindfulness is really asking you to focus on the present, on the here and now and taking notice and observation of what's going on in your brain. So again, we don't want that judgment. We don't want good or bad or labels. It's 
easier said than practiced, but the idea is to avoid assigning value or identifying any part of your body as good or bad. It just, it just is, your body is just being. Um, so how can, how can a body, how can a part of a body in isolation from judgment be negatively or positively labeled, at least in an accurate way? Um, you know, people like rules, people like finite terms, um, but it isn't, it isn't reality in most cases. My, my ears might look a certain way, but it doesn't mean they're good or bad. It's just how they are. Um, and if you've practiced, if you have a meditation practice at all or a mindfulness practice at all, you probably are familiar with this idea of like letting things go, like let the thought float by or let it enter like a sieve and then let it exit you know, you can acknowledge that you have these feelings, you're a human, you have a lot of, you have a lot of feelings and a lot of thoughts, but we don't want to hold on to them and make them our own. So it's really like, we don't want good, we don't want bad, we just want period, I am, this is my face, those are my ears, these are my legs, this is my belly, period. And then we can take it another step to say, oh, I appreciate this because there's the function aspect. It hugs, it walks, it digests, my tongue helps me taste things really, really well. Um, so starting to incorporate the body neutrality concept definitely requires you to hone in and listen to these thoughts and pick up on some of that negative dialogue, not combat it, but just like replace those negative thoughts with body neutral statements. So practicing mindfulness is how we start. And that is also a foot in the door for a lot of different a lot of different ways to, to change your mentality, right? It's just paying attention. Um, I have, I've talked to some of my clients about this, you know, transition into body neutrality. It's hard. And it's only with really big statements, like really negative, painful statements internally that people sometimes notice how negative their internal dialogue is. And then they wake up to this, the way that they talk to themselves. And it's like, oh my gosh, I must have 40 negative commentary comments about my body a day. And so then you start to train yourself to listen. But it always starts with awareness. It's the first always step. starts with awareness, right? Do I know what I'm doing? Not yeah. usually. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I would say that hundred percent people. There's so many of those little thoughts that just creep in there so quietly. And they're so we've been listening to them for decades for some people. So they're, they're just as common as the sky is blue. We don't even know to question them. So just, you know, I, would you say that uh, maybe a place that you could start to listen is in front of the mirror? Like when you wash your hands, like, do you notice that's when you might say comments, when you look in like, you know, in the mirror, or is that too aggressive? That for some people it's too aggressive for some people that works that's definitely an exposure technique for body acceptance and body awareness um it, it that would be something that you really have is person specific you'd really have to take case by case i like to challenge people to focus on one type of time of day though to focus on this it might be like when you're getting dressed can you avoid looking in the mirror and just comment on how your body feels while you're putting on your clothes or when you're getting in the shower can you maybe not stare at yourself, you know, your naked body in the mirror, but can you, you know, notice that your legs work as you're stepping into the tub or the shower? Do you notice how your hands feel when they're running through your hair? So it's just that, can I increase my awareness at all throughout the day and pick up on what I am 
what I'm talking to myself about or how I'm talking to myself. It could be the two minutes in the shower every day is when you practice this. Great. That's two minutes more than you practiced yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any other specific exercises that you like to teach or, you know, again, from this podcast, I'm always about like, give us the practical take home, give us the homework. (laughs) Yeah. And this is such a like conceptual thing. It's not super tangible, but it does, it definitely all starts with mindfulness. So I'll say that like big, bold letters, capital, underline, bold, the whole thing. Um, So some people will use statements to reinforce their body neutrality on how your body functions or what it offers us. So for example, I'm thankful that my body isn't in pain today, if that's something you normally struggle with, or I appreciate that my feet can take me on a walk. I'm happy that my arms can give great hugs. I like to encourage people to focus on what a single body part offers them, like their hands, their mouth, their legs, you know, you name it. Um, So you can work on your mindfulness and post these notes in a personal space. A lot of people will put like post-it notes places or like mark pages in a journal. If journaling is part of your mental health practice, um, you can practice that neutral commentary, like you were saying, in a really isolated experience on a daily basis, just to start to hone in on how am I speaking to myself? Um, You know, I also think it's important to note that each person gets to dictate what their recovery journey looks like, you know, whatever you're recovering from, whether that's Um, you know, an eating disorder, just not great experience with your body. Um, You know, like you mentioned, you you phrased it like a struggle with weight in the past. Like we all get to decide what that journey of recovery, that movement away from whatever it was looks like. And if somebody is content with body neutrality and that feels respectful and authentic for them, then I really feel like that space is totally okay. Um, I don't feel like everyone has to necessarily love the skin that they're in, but we all can definitely appreciate our skin. Um, So it offers us safety and it offers us protection and that's a period, it's just a fact. Um, So we're all a work in progress. So we can can practice this by a couple of ways, you know, posting notes, writing things on your mirror. Um, You can do that exposure challenge either in the mirror, like you said, or the shower. Um, If you want to look at your body, that's always an option, but I do think that that might be like a step further. Like, I don't think that should be your initial exposure to mindfulness. Um, but if you are a little bit further along exposing your body, exposing yourself to your body in the mirror and saying, doing like a head to toe appreciation practice can be really helpful. Um, you know, just appreciate maybe one thing every time you get in the shower. I've had a couple of clients with eating disorders whose bodies changed a lot when they got pregnant. And it was really challenging for them to uh, kind of roll with the punches. Um, you know, I have never been pregnant, but from what I understand, it's uh, quite an experience. And <laughs> I'm sure that you can attest to that. So imagine being someone with an eating disorder who may not feel super positive about their body. And you're trying to roll with the punches and the changes of that um, that happen so quickly. So I had asked people, the women I worked with, to focus on one, again, like one time of the day, whether it's getting dressed in the shower, in the car, eating lunch, and just listen, listen to your inner, inner dialogue, listen to your self-talk. And again, maybe not try and insert positivity because that doesn't feel great for everybody. It feels to, you know, turn that frown upside down, but insert some appreciation and some gratitude. I think most of us feel a little bit more whole as people when we can express gratitude. Um, 
it seems to be a little bit more functional, right? It serves a bit more purpose than just negative or positive labeling. That's actually, um, you kind of just fed right into my next question, because that's going to be, where does gratitude fit in this, this um, spectrum? Like, is gratitude somewhere between neutrality and positivity? Is that maybe where some people end up landing at the, the gratitude, the grateful part, and maybe never get to positivity and that's okay? Or is gratitude beyond positivity? You know, I didn't make up the whole spectrum, so <laughs> I can't really, I can't really say for sure. But I will say that I talk about gratitude alongside of neutrality. I really feel like they kind of hold hands in, you know, reparations and healing for a lot of people. Um, yeah, I have said this to myself for a long time. I really appreciate my feet, even though they, you know, might have calluses on them and might be larger than I want them to be because they take me on really wonderful runs and they take me on walks. And I think it's just amazing to think about all the miles that they've, that they've been with me on. And I can't think about their function without thinking about the gratitude for them. And I know that's not the case for everybody, but that is the relationship that I try and encourage people to foster with their body. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I feel like they, I, I didn't know, again, I, I know you didn't make the spectrum, <laughs> but it, to me, they seem very closely linked. And, you know, to say like, to go from, I have a stomach to I'm thankful for my stomach, you know, more of the thankfulness for the function might be something that people can latch on to versus I'm thankful for my stomach, even though I don't know like what it looks like. Like yeah. that's, that's kind of a backhanded way of, uh, that's not what we're going for. Right. Yeah. I, that does make sense. Um, you know, to kind of put it in sequence like that. Yes. I think neutrality probably comes prior to gratitude. It's probably more like neutrality, acknowledgement, gratitude, and then maybe somewhere in the future positivity. Yeah. 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 So many well, great areas, but you know what? So is nutrition. Right. Right. So, you know, I, I think, you know, you can even take, and I know that's not the topic of this podcast, but you can take neutrality into the whole food selection, right? Like, you know, chocolate is for so many people, chocolate is bad, you know, and chocolate is good. Like what if chocolate is just chocolate, you know, and, and we oh kept assigning, stop assigning meaning to every single thing we put in our body. Imagine yeah. the different eating experience you could have Right. I hate, I hate, and I will say that I hate demonizing food, you know, mm -hmm. pizza, you know, pizza, I can argue is not the most nutritious, but it is nourishing because we usually have it in a social setting. We usually have it with people we love. We usually have it at a celebration. So I like to say to people, there is a time for carrots and cake and neither of them is every day. Um, and that's the, that's the truth. If I went to somebody's birthday party and I didn't have a piece of cake, I probably would feel really ostracized and left out. And that's not healthy, you know? And if I ate cake all day, every day, that wouldn't be healthy either. Yeah. Yeah. So we can base, you know, when we get the body neutrality part down, you know, maybe just being open to the idea of what could that look like if that bled into how I think about my food choices. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it bleeds into a lot of things. You know, if we, you mentioned this earlier, if we have a 
less hostile relationship with our body, we're actually more likely to care for it because we see it as having a higher value. And when we have a higher value of things, we want to care for them. So the longevity of our health journey kind of relies on us supporting that healthier body image and that healthier relationship with food so that we can sustain that as we age and our bodies change and our circumstances change, as opposed to someone that's just, you know, hitting the gym hard because it's January 1st and adopting that new diet and trying to lose X amount of pounds. Um, they're doing it for a result instead of a feeling. Right. So we're really focusing on like feeling and relationship and self. And longevity. Longevity, right. I would like to live a long time without chronic illness. How do I get there? Yeah. Or even just longevity in the sense of, I, I got to live with this body for a long time. Like, let's figure this out and not punish it short term to, so that I can like it again, just to punish it so I can like it again. Like, right. let's just do this right. I want to say right the first time, but let's put the time into it and see where it takes us. Yeah, you know, it's an investment. Every taking care of ourselves is a huge investment. And I, I say this to people when I start working with them, I would love to slip you the magic pill to give you all of your answers. And if I had it, I would for sure pass it to you across this desk, but I don't have it. And unfortunately we can't fix everything in the first hour. So let's get to know each other. We're gonna form a relationship and we're gonna, we're gonna keep this thing going. So it's an investment of time. It's an investment of mental energy it's an investment of um you know behavioral changes it's a lot but i i do think that we're worth it um because ultimately i think you feel a lot better yeah as a as a whole person not just somebody that looks a certain way or eats a certain way and i want to highlight one more thing that you kind of alluded to but repetition mm-hmm. is such a a major part of this actually coming to fruition, right? Like this isn't, you just say it one time to yourself in the bathroom mirror. And then all of a sudden everything is right in the world. Like this takes for as much time as you have said the opposite, this is like for some people that's years or decades, it's going to take a lot of repetition to train your brain to think differently. Mm-hmm. Right. And the more that you invest now and the more discomfort that you that you experience now in terms of like emotional discomfort of like, oh, I don't know if I'm someone that wants to feel a little bit better about my body. I'm not ready for that change. That discomfort now is going to make it easier in the months, the weeks, the years to come. So it's like temporary, relatively temporary discomfort or, you know, a, a lot of reward of, of you know, hopefully lifetime of reward. Yeah. Yeah. Lauren, this has been awesome. I am so thankful that you took the time out of your schedule to be with us today, to share with us um, about this concept that is, is so close to your heart. Um, we can tell through your passion that you know this is something you feel strongly about, as you should, because this is a game changer uh, for so many people, especially if they've been struggling with negative body image for so long. Like you offer hope, and you offer a realistic hope versus just feel better. Like, what's your problem? Just, just do it. And it'll be great. Like giving us that step-by-step framework of what we can expect and how we can start to integrate it into our life. I think this has been really helpful for a lot of people. Oh, thanks. Yeah. 
So as you know, when we end any of our episodes, we always end with a recipe. And so I always ask my guests to share a recipe at, uh, with the listeners, something that, you know, maybe something quick and easy or like your go-to recipe. Uh, but this is where we've been, here. we've heard some crazy recipes throughout the, the, the podcast. So I'm really excited for you to share yours tonight. So I love this recipe. It is my go-to and it uses a lot of pantry staples. So typically I don't have to go out to, to make this. Um, I'm going to share with you my favorite pizza dough recipe. So if I have kind of last minute guests coming over in an hour, I'll often get this started and I happen to have flour. I happen to have yeast. And then I just need like a jar of sauce and some cheese to throw on it. Um, this can also serve as a really nice focaccia if you want to make like focaccia bread at home, but I tend to use it as a large batch of pizza dough. So this, this recipe can make at least a, co a cookie sheet, full-size cookie sheet full of pizza, and then some, depending on how thin you, you spread it out. So it's four cups of flour. I am going to be honest, I use all-purpose flour. Um, you could use bread flour. You could use whole wheat flour. I haven't tried it with any flour alternatives, so I can't speak on that. But I do think the development of the, the gluten is important. So I, I, probably the wheat flour or um, like a Bob's replacement one-to-one -one flour would work well. So it's four cups of flour. I use two packets of yeast and one and a half cups of water. So I just proof the yeast per the directions, mix it in with the flour. And then I throw in whatever herbs you have. This is a real relaxed, casual recipe. So sometimes it's garlic powder, sometimes it's oregano, sometimes it's basil, but the base is just that dough. And then you let it rise for about half an hour because there's so much yeast in it, it happens really fast, which is part of the fun. Um, and then you just shape it and you put it in your oven at, I think I usually do around 400 and typically takes about like 20, 30 minutes, depending on what I put on top. And I've done really fun creations. So I've done pesto with provolone. I've done roasted vegetables with feta. Um, I've done like flat, like vegan flatbreads for people that can't do dairy or don't eat meat with um, like tofu bacon on it. Or what was the one I did? Um, like a curry, like a, uh, like a coconut curry sauce. That was really tasty. So it goes, it can go a bunch of different ways. Very versatile. Yeah, and I believe if we do, if you want more like of a whole grain version, usually a half and half versus just all 100% whole wheat flour, that's going to have more of a grainy texture. But, you know, if you, you're looking to add more fiber and more nutrients, you could do like a two cups each. Yeah, right? you could definitely healthify this <laughs> and do your like half whole wheat, half all purpose. Yep. Yeah. Or like I'm thinking if I made it for my kids, they would want all four cups, all purpose. So. Right. But then, you know, you can, because it makes such a large pizza, you can have people like decorate quarters or top quarters. Um, so it's kind of, it's kind of fun. And yeah. I love that it's quick. You are our first guest that gave a pizza dough recipe. So. Oh, yay me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, like I said, pizza, pizza's not an everyday food, but it definitely has its time and its place. Sure does. And I know we really enjoy it as well. So Lauren, I know I said thank you before, but I'm going to say it one more time. Thank you so much for being a guest today. Um, we're just so thankful to be able to share this information with all of you. And um, yeah, I think that's it.
Thank you so much for having me. All right. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish Eat Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricshealth.com. You can also find us on socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook at bodymetricshealth. The book Nourish Eat Repeat is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.